Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team at techadvisor.com. I am your host, Don Preston, joined this week by Toddy and Aniron. Oh. Hello. We are missing Lewis, who has decided to sneak off early for an extended Easter break. So uh, we'll, we'll all miss him and his beard dearly. But we will do our best <laughs> to persevere in what's a sort of exciting week for phone news. There hasn't been loads of stuff, but I think what has happened is exciting. I think everyone who listens to the show a lot will know I'm a big Vivo fan. And this week, Vivo has really gone all out with a big Chinese launch event where it has announced three new products, including their very first foldable phone. And... I don't think it's too much of a reach to say that on paper, this could be the best big screen foldable yet. It's certainly got a strong claim to be. I mean, I haven't touched the thing, so who knows? Maybe it's pants. <laughs> but in terms of the specs, in terms of what they've announced, in terms of what we've seen, it's got kind of ticking all the right boxes so far. So that's really promising. So we're going to talk about that. Um, then we are going to turn to OnePlus. OnePlus have announced that they are announcing the OnePlus Ace and the OnePlus 10R, um, and also actually the OnePlus Nord, Nord CE2 Lite. I think I've got all those bits in the right order. Um, we're going to talk about what these phones are. Um, two of them are actually the same phone, even though they've got different names and different launch dates. Uh, those two are actually also the same as another phone that's already come out. It's all a bit confusing, but we're going to break down what we think OnePlus is announcing over the next couple of weeks at its launch events and try and lay that all out as clearly as we can based on what we know. And then finally, we're going to turn to another, to be fair, slightly confusing set of phones, the Red Magic 7 and 7 Pro, uh, specifically the Pro model, which has had its global launch this week. And Anaya has been lucky enough to get its hands on it, has been testing out the, the Pro version of Nubia's latest gaming phone line. Um, but we are going to talk about that, talk about what he thinks. And also, I think, to be fair, we'll have to do a bit of a breakdown of how it compares to the regular Red Magic 7, because this is one phone line where the difference between them is not super clear. And in some weird ways, the 7 is better on specific specs. And it's a little odd. So we're going to chat through that. Uh, and if you want more depth on that, Anaim has actually done a video um, explaining how those two phones compare in depth. So you can go to the YouTube channel Tech Advisor and find his Regmatic 7 versus 7 Pro explainer to run through what's going on. Uh, before all that, let's go through some other bits and pieces that have launched this week. So first up, actually another Vivo launch. So we're not going to talk about it in depth. But the Vivo sub-brand Aiku uh, launched the Aiku Neo 6 in China. Aiku is nominally Vivo's gaming phone line, but it's more kind of loosely gaming-y performance-based. They're not as gaming phone as, as, say, the Red Magics are. It's not all spiky effects and RGB lighting and stuff like that. Um, but still, this looks like a pretty like, powerful device. Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 and 80-watt wired charging. So... Pretty, pretty capable stuff, though I'd be surprised if it makes it to the West, though it could well end up in India. I think a lot of the IQ stuff does, so that may well cross that line. Um, then we have uh, an interesting one. I think we spoke last week on the show about um, the Oppo Reno 8, which yes. has, has it's leaked. Weird, <laughs> it's weird, uncanny resemblance. It's familiar <laughs> design, shall we say. Uh, and, and some of that may come up again when we talk about the OnePlus stuff in a bit. Uh, but there is an interesting new rumour about, about the Oppo Reno 8, which I think is worth talking about, which is that um, it may be the first phone to debut the Snapdragon 7 Gen 1, which we haven't had announced yet. But that will basically be 
when Qualcomm unveiled the HN1, that was obviously a changing their naming convention for their chips, and they said at the time they would eventually have to do the same thing for their lower tiers, the 7 series, the 6 series. Um, so it looks like they may be ready to do that, and basically rumour has it that the Oppo Reno 8 is going to arrive next month in May, and with it will arrive the Snapdragon 7 Gen 1, mm. the big rebrand for, Snap for Qualcomm's kind of second tier of, of chips. So that will be interesting. Um, separate leaks have actually said that also the 8 Gen 1 Plus is going to be announced in May as well. So that may mean we, they come together and we have a big Qualcomm event to, to unveil them. We're not really sure exactly how that's going to break down. But yeah, it looks like there's some interesting Qualcomm chip developments on the way. I don't know why. I was hoping for a different naming convention with the chips when they went for Gen 1. Gen 1.5? Gen, I don't know. There's no, there's no, again, there's no good answer here maybe, but... I, I mean, it won't pass the pluses. Yeah, maybe it won't be a plus. I think people are just calling it that because everyone's assumed that's what right. Qualcomm will call it. Um, there have been a couple leaks that look like they have imagery, you know, Qualcomm logos on, but those are the more, uh, I don't know, less reliable ends of them, I think. So I'm not confident in the images we've mm. seen so far. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think it will be called the HM1 Plus. My, my bigger question, as, as we said before, like, at, at the time of the launch, is what they do for the other 7 series ones because Qualcomm never releases a single 7 series chip every year they tend to release like four or five of them and so they can do one of them that's a 7 gen 1 then i guess they can do a 7 gen 1 plus i don't know what else they do i'm kind of holding out hope that this is going to be the new 765g because that chip took off as a really yep. well respected 7 series chip and we haven't really seen one that all the manufacturers have kind of rallied around since then I think because so, they then released like eight of them afterwards, you know, they, they, <laughs> yeah, true. That, that one did well, but then they just kept releasing more and more and more seven series chips. <laughs> so there was never a single one that got that kind of dominance because they, they instead, and maybe it makes more sense for them, but they offered a whole spread of different chips to suit different, different phones and different manufacturers needs. Um, so yeah, then sticking with chips, we actually have some more concrete chip news, which is MediaTek did actually announce a chip this week. Um, the Dimensity 1300, that is uh, the follow-up to the Dimensity 1200, you may have guessed. And to be honest, this is basically their rival to the 7 Gen 1, whatever that kind of looks like. So to put it kind of at a level, this is the chip that everyone is expecting to be in the OnePlus Nord 3 when that arrives in, in a month or two. So powering that kind of premium mid-ranger, and in fact in that space of, of the 765, the uh, the popular snapdragon that toddy just mentioned so um we're kind of in the space where that new upper mid-range line seems to be getting announced right now which is fun um on the software side i thought we should talk about a new ios leak just because we were speaking about ios recently in terms of wwdc and what to expect from there um one of the big apple analysts mark german uh, has reported um, on the software side of what we should expect from WWDC. Um, he says that iOS 16 is going to see Apple once again try and rework their notification system. Um, as someone who's been on iPhones for the last month or so as a normal Android user, I mean, A, yes, changes can't come soon enough. B, I have zero faith in Apple to fix their <laughs> notification system or at least get it in line with what you get on Android. It's I, I'm iOS is growing on me a lot, but my God, the notifications are not one of the bits that's growing on me. I, I still hate it. Much like problematic phone names, I don't know necessarily how to fix notifications on iOS, but I know that when I see it, I will mm. know that it is fixed. I think it could start maybe with burning it to the ground 
Uh, <laughs> and maybe we go from there, just delete all the code to do with notifications nice. and start from a blank screen. Uh, no, they're not that bad. And it, they've come on a long way over the last few years. And I think Apple's been, Apple clearly knows this. It's been tinkering with notifications in, in every iOS release over the last last few years. So I think it knows that's a weak spot maybe in the competition. And it sounds like it's still going to work on that though. There's no word on what those changes will be. Um, and interestingly also, because we were talking about it, Mark Gurman reckons we are going to see at least a tech demo of what he calls ROS, which is apparently going to be their AR software platform. Um, so he says we won't see the AR headset, but we will see the software, um, which will be interesting, which is kind of what we predicted. I think we kind of thought you might see the headware to, headset to go with it, or at least a tease of the hardware. But we did reckon that we were going to start seeing the AR this year. I mean, that says to me no live demos, because there's no way they can live demo it without showing something, some hardware yes, on someone's head, unless they've exactly. got a box over that. I know, I was like trying to picture screen. how they do it, how they have someone on stage <laughs> with a headset, helmet. but you can't see anything. <laughs> um, they could find a way. But uh, yeah, I mean, and, may and maybe they very consciously show something that's a prototype device and are very open. This is not the final hardware or something like that, but we'll see. Uh, and then the final thing, we have to talk about it, especially given that we chatted about Twitter the other week. Elon Musk says he wants to buy Twitter, like all of it, 100%. He has made an offer, you know, officially through the SEC, he's filed a, you know, um, a claim that he wants to buy 100% of Twitter. I have seen reactions ranging from, yeah, of course, he wanted to do this all along to um, people basically saying, no, this is a shameless kind of pump and dump scheme. He bought a bit of it. He's now claiming to want to buy it at an inflated price. Stock will go up. And then he'll probably just end up selling the bit he already has and turning a nice profit on the whole two-week venture. I don't know enough about how this stuff works to know. I just really don't want Elon Musk to own Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my whole take on it. That's all I've got for you. <laughs> I couldn't tell you anything about the financial wheelings and dealings here. I just really, really, really don't want Elon Musk to be a sole owner of Twitter. Yeah, there's there's this, the conversation about uh, you know his his argument is you know he wants to he needs to privatize it to make the changes necessary yes to allow it to be that platform that that serves freedom of speech. I don't know whether Elon Musk is the person to be making that call. I, I think whatever vision <laughs> Elon Musk has of the ideal Twitter, it is not the Twitter I want to be on. Like, I'm confident <laughs> yeah. he and I do not see eye to eye on what changes Twitter needs. I'll, I'll say that yes. much. Um, and, you know, then there's a separate thing of I, I don't love more single billionaires having control over, you know, huh? pivotal speech <laughs> platforms that have significant impacts on the functioning of worldwide democracies. Uh, but, you know, that's just me. I'm fussy like that. But hey, that edit button. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's turn to Vivo. So yeah, Vivo held a launch event in China this week where it unveiled the X Fold, uh, which is its debut foldable device, uh, but also two others. We, we do want to chat through everything they've announced. So they've also announced the X Note and the Vivo Pad. So in brief, the Vivo X Fold is a big foldable like the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold or the Huawei or the Opera or the Xiaomi Mi Mix Fold, all that's kind of big book style foldable um yeah. but vivo has basically thrown as many specs at it as it can it, they've gone very high end i don't think there are many specs on this device where 
there's kind of much room for them to go any further up. You know, I don't think you could really fault anything Not they've right done. Now. No, yeah. it, it's a it's pretty much premium and everywhere it counts. Um, the Vivo X Note is just a slab phone. It's just a kind of regular phone. It actually has a lot of shared specs with the Fold. Mm. So it's very similar in hardware. We'll get to when we talk about them. Um, what's, I guess, the only thing that's really notable about this otherwise is it's very big. It's got a 7-inch display. So I guess that makes it the biggest phone on the market now. We've had bigger screens than that before, but I don't think any of them yeah. are still kind of active... No, not really. Like the the first phone that sprung to mind for me was the Huawei Mate. Is it the 20X? I think was the way around it I think went. That's and it. I th- yeah. I think that was seven or seven point two inches. I think seven point two is big. what I had in my head for that one. Yeah. yeah. Um. Nothing else aside from foldables is really yeah, going. Yeah. Yeah. Discounting past, foldables, past that, obviously. So. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a phone for people who want just another really, really, really big phone, even bigger than than the Samsung Ultra or, or the Xiaomi Ultra or anything like that. Uh, and then there's the Vivo Pad, which is a tablet. Um, I think Vivo's first tablet, though I'm not 100%. Uh, I believe so, yeah. But um, it's a... We can talk about it in more detail, but from what I've seen for the specs, it's a kind of upper mid-range tablet. It's not going super, super high-end on, on what it offers, but equally it's not super budget either, but it looks like a, a pretty capable mid-range Android tablet. Yeah, it's occupying the same space as Xiaomi's recently revived Pad series with the Pad 5, Pad 5 Pro. It sits somewhere yeah. in the same realm with hardware and everything which for the moment looks to be a pretty smart bit of the Android tablet market to, to sit in. Yeah. But anyway, we'll get to that. Let's start with the X-Fold, because I think that is, that is probably the exciting one. Um, so yeah, this is a, this is a cool-looking phone. Um, I'll start with the only bit of I don't love, which is that it has a, a vegan leather finish. And <laughs> I, I know a lot of people love them. I, you know, I think that, that's just a matter of taste, right? For some people, that faux leather finish is, is great, and that's going to be a selling point. For me, yeah, I... I probably rather ditch the the faux leather and and i'd rather you know slab of, of glass or metal or even plastic but I it is i think there. it has it has that fake stitch line as well is that right yes it's Just got like, it's got the stitching ever since was <laughs> it i think the galaxy note 3 which had a plastic back but faked stitching in the plastic molding ever since oh, it's been put off like any stitched leather phone element mm-hmm. just never looks right to me it's not quite um, okay, so yeah, this is um, a big screen book style foldable. The main display is 8.03 inches, to be precise. Um, 2K yeah. resolution. Um, and interesting, it's LTPO3, which yeah. I, it might be the first LTPO3. I'm pretty sure it's the first. I was reading about LTPO3 for the first time in last month. Yeah. And now there's a phone that apparently has this feature. <laughs> I mean, even LTPO2 was new to it's, the recent flagship. It's pretty new, right? <laughs> um, yeah, three, the only kind of discernible difference I can see is just even better power efficiency. But this time uh, yeah. there's no change to the variable or the range of refresh rate. Yes, it's still 1 to 120 hertz, which is yeah. what LTPO2 offered as well. So I, you know, it's not a radical change there. I'm, not, I'm also not super clear on how big of a jump three is from two. But either way, so it's a 8-inch 2K display, AMOLED obviously, um, and with that variable refresh rate from 1 to 120 hertz, which should help with battery life. Um, and it's coated in uh, Shot's UTG ultra-thin glass. Uh, and I'm reliably informed that Shot is actually the company that helps Samsung with its UTG. So I think it is basically the same uh, display tech that, that Samsung has. Um, I think it's also the same in the Find N as well. 
Oppo's fine then. Well, that would make sense because also also BBK. Well, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If anything, the surprise here, though, maybe it's not so surprising, but this isn't very similar to the Oppo Find N. And Vivo is the one company Mm. in that portfolio that's always stood separately from from the others, so that's not too shocking. Um, But yeah, this doesn't. If you if you're kind of looking saying, oh, it's BBK, it's just going to be the Find N again. That isn't what this looks like. Uh, though on that note, we had rumours this week that OnePlus is working on a foldable, and guess what that phone is apparently based on? <laughs> uh, send your answers in on a postcard, please. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, 8-inch eight internal display, 6.53-inch external display, also AMOLED, also 120 hertz refresh rate, though it's not uh, LTPO3, so it's, it doesn't drop down to 1 hertz or anything like that. Um What's, I think, striking here is basically this is really an edge-to-edge front display. Uh, They've managed to keep the bezel really small. I think this has smaller bezels than any other book foldable for its front screen. I mean, also, I think there's just the general form factor with that internal screen size. This is one of the biggest book-style foldables we've yes, seen as well. it is big. So maybe that extra room has allowed them to better hide the edge of the front panel. Yeah. It's hard to say, but yeah. It's it's impressive, <laughs> at least. So yeah, I mean, what the result is that more than any other, the external display looks very usable. It really feels like when you have this closed, it's going to look and feel like a phone, like a regular slab phone, albeit a thick one because it, it's got got the second screen folded in. But um, you know, a far far cry from the the first Samsung folds with that boxy little display on on the front. Um, and still, in, you know, in fairness, a notable improvement in the display tech from what Samsung is doing, even in the Z Fold 3, in terms of what it looks like when closed. Um, this looks a lot more slick than that. Uh, yeah, other specs, high-end, Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, which you, you'd probably expect, uh, 12 gig of RAM by default, either 256 or 512 gigs of storage, um, 66 watt wire charging, 50 watt wireless, battery is 4600 milliamp hours, which is maybe a little small for what it is. On paper, it seems kind of small, especially with those big screens and that resolution. Yeah. I I mean, maybe the LTPO3 is so good that power efficiency... Is this the the... use case? Is this the example? Yeah, we'll see. That's (laughs) that's the the one hesitation I have other than the leather back, I guess, I mentioned. But yeah, it it doesn't seem like, oh, it's going to be awful battery life, but I would be surprised if it had really good battery life based on what we're seeing in those specs. Um, but then I think the the highlight here really other than the, the size and the way they've maxed out the displays is the cameras because they have gone all in on, on the camera hardware here in the way that I guess Huawei did but no one else has on, on their foldables so it is a quad rear camera a 50 megapixel main sensor with OIS, and that's using Samsung's GN5 sensor for the camera sensor nerds out there. Uh, and then that's joined by a pair of zooms. You've got a two times zoom and a five times periscope and a 48 megapixel ultra wide, which presumably will be, be a pretty decent ultra wide. Um, and as with a lot of Vivos, it's all got Zeiss branding on the cameras and Zeiss has worked with them on um, lens coatings and some camera modes and, and things like that. Uh, and uh, because you do have to actually clarify this with foldables, it has hole punch selfie cameras, both 16 megapixel, no under display camera. <laughs> so thankfully, uh, no display camera. it arguably won't look as cool as the Samsung, but you will actually be able to take much better selfies in theory. I mean, 
in practice, that screen didn't look that cool where the camera no. was, to be fair. <laughs> I mean, trying to so... be charitable to Samsung here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the camera hardware sounds really impressive just in general phone space because I always commend the S21 Ultra, S22 Ultra. No other phone really can match it for versatility, especially because of those dual two different focal length zooms. Yes. Having one periscope and one standard, but still optically zoomed. Um, two is a bit disappointing. It'd be nice if they managed to fit a three in there just to give it a bit more range. Well, but, they, um, they, yeah. Vivo likes the two times port, they call it a portrait lens. Oh, uh, okay. So, so they, they tend to pitch the two times one as, as, sure. as a lens for portrait photography rather than as a, a zoom lens. Like they often actually won't even describe it as a zoom. They'll just, or highlight the two times they'll call it on like these, their, their phones. They'll just say it's kind of got a main camera and then a portrait camera. Um, mm. So that's kind of the pitch. It just crops in a little bit to be a, a more natural focal length for for taking portrait photos. But I mean, you you always commend Vivo for their image processing and their camera stuff. I'm just intrigued because they've clearly used four. They're four different resolutions, so that's four different types of sensors that they have to try and calibrate to make mm. consistent image quality across the range in terms of color science and stuff. So it'd be interesting to see how well they handle that. But based on what I get from you when you review like the Vivo. So uh, I, I reviewed the, the X seventy Pro Plus, the top Pro one Plus, of their last. Yeah. They were yeah up until now their 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 high their, their flagship. Um, and yeah, I, I consistency is very impressive. It, it is one of their strong suits. I would say, I think mm. everything up to sometimes that the the periscope will be the one where it drops off a bit because that's which is where everyone struggles. I think because the periscopes always have to be at very different apertures to the other lenses, and that that creates more challenges in getting the color tuning right. But I've certainly never had issues with the color consistency and, and things like that across their lenses. Um, I would say they've particularly made strides in a way that Oppo has as well, to be fair to them, uh, to make their ultra-wides really, really good. And so that you don't ever feel there's even there's any sort of real quality drop-off when you switch to the ultra-wide. Um, and to be fair... I don't know how much we'll see that here because part of that of what they've done is with their, their gimbal stabilization tech and stuff like that on, on different lenses. And I don't think I've seen them hyping having the same stabilization stuff on this phone that they do on all of the X70s. So it's not... I think this is probably not quite as good a camera as the X70 Pro Plus, but I don't think there's going to be a lot in that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for my money, the X70 Pro Plus is probably all around the best camera system, that are, certainly the best I've tested. And I, I think from what I've seen from others, the best out there, um, though, I, I think it's pretty close. But yeah, this, this seems really encouraging to me. I look at this and I think this feels to me like it's doing the hardware thing that Huawei do with their foldable, which is to say there are no compromises but it obviously doesn't have the software compromises that Huawei has been forced into against its will. So, um, you know, this the, the sad thing about this is this phone is probably not launching outside of China. So it's I can say, oh, it'll have Google, but I mean, it, it kind of won't in China anyway. But, um, <laughs> well, I was, was going to speak to the pricing because the pricing seems pretty aggressive as well for that style of Volvo with that level of spec. Like, Yeah, I can't, can't remember off the top of my head. Um, yeah, so it, it works out, it converts to around $1,400 um starting price which yeah and maybe not now but i think that means it's cheaper than the chinese price for the z fold 3 when that launched i think oh maybe yeah i'm not sure or at least it's close to it yeah. which for the what you're getting is 
yeah. really promising. Um, and no doubt if this launches internationally, it will cost more than that. And I think <laughs> it's fair to say when Vivo has launched phones in Europe, uh, its flagships have all been overpriced um, and it's really struggled to hit what looks to me like reasonable pricing in the European market, at least. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing they just have some costs there that they're struggling to manage, or maybe it's because they can't sell at the scale they need to to hit the same pricing they do in, in China and India. But yeah, if in the very unlikely event this comes to Europe, I kind of suspect we won't be saying, oh, and it's so affordable as well. I, I think it will be the other way. But um, yeah, for China, at least, it looks it looks to be very good value. I think there they probably have their hand forced a bit by Oppo because the Find N did the same thing of coming in and being very impressive value for what it offered from what sure, i remember sure yeah i get that and uh um, probably kind of shifted the tone of the chinese foldable market a little bit yeah also a small thing but can we also give them props to i mean i like this anyway a physical alert slider i think that's a nice yes turn. yeah I, I i i completely <laughs> forgot about that but yeah a physical alert slider which i don't think they've ever done before so this is new to them to my knowledge um and and i love it it's very strange that this seems to have moved across bbk as one plus is sure, almost yeah. giving up on the alert slider and just kind of not really bothering anymore. Vivo has seemingly picked it up and said, oh, yeah, we like that. That's cool. They've got these switches just in the back. They're like, well, someone's got to use them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I it, this is a fascinating phone to me because other than the battery size, there's not mm. a single spec there you could really pick holes in. I mean, technically, yeah. you can find phones with faster charging, but 66 watts and 50 watts, you don't need faster charging than that. I don't think anyone would complain about those And on speeds. a battery that size. And on a battery that size. That's going to be quick. Um, and the display is about as high spec as it could possibly be. RAM and storage amounts are as high as you'd ever expect. Camera spec, you know, they just couldn't really have fit any more into this. So really, really impressed. I um, hope hope I can get my hands on one, basically. Um the thing I was kind of surprised by, not in a very, in a very minor way, which will help me transition into just briefly touching on the uh, Vivo Pad, is that the user experience—it's running Android-based Origin OS, which yep. is their platform that tends to run. Um, and for the tablet, they invested in what they've called Origin OS HD, which is a tablet-optimized version of their user experience. I don't think they branded the experience on the fold as anything other than Origin OS, even though it has optimizations for that, obviously, big square display. Uh, yeah. I thought that was odd. No, I, yeah, I said, didn't notice them uh, hyping up any kind of optimized version of the OS for, for the big screen. Um, I think before we'll turn to the tablet in a sec, we should probably talk about the Vivo X Note, X Note first because it yes. is spec wise very very similar uh, to the x fold so we can kind of <laughs> rattle through that um yeah it has a seven inch display this is kind of i guess more than anything the selling point it's just it's a big ass phone um seven inch display it's also an amoled uh qhd plus 120 hertz i don't think this one is ltpo3 but if I it is think, i missed it i haven't it. read that anywhere no um, so it, it's not exactly the same, um, but still very high spec display um, and in a 21 to 10 aspect ratio, which is, I don't think one okay. we've had before. So tall, but wider than an Xperia. Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of, it's not that it's kind of, oh, it's a, a super tall and thin like an Xperia, but it's just, it, I don't think anyone else makes a phone in that exact aspect ratio. Uh, That's kind of annoying because if you want to enjoy 21 by 9 content, you're still going to get a bit of letterboxing now 
And if you enjoy 16 by 9 you're going to yeah. get severe pillar boxing. Well, the still, funny so. thing is, they've <laughs> part of Vivo's like pitches, it's better for media consumption. But you do have to wonder, is it? Because no one's making content in 21 by no, 10. No, that's, that's not a standard. So it's, <laughs> it's a weird one. Uh, though they also say it's good for multitasking. So who knows? That I can get behind. Um, the other unique pitch to this phone is something I'd kind of forgotten existed. Um, but it includes the Qualcomm 3D Sonic Max uh, oh. fingerprint sensor which I know fingerprint sensors are not generally something to get very excited about. Um, but this is a really, really big fingerprint sensor. And basically, it's called the Sonic Max. It's the guys. Max. It's the Max fingerprint <laughs> sensor. Uh, basically, it's big enough that it can you can fit two fingers on the sensing area at once. And that is not just for the novelty value. Um, it basically means, yeah. A, if you only want to one up with one f- finger regularly, you have a, just a much bigger area you can hit, and it will detect a fingerprint and so it's much more forgiving of of where you can scan your finger and not having to precisely find the spot. But it also means you can set the phone to unlock with dual fingerprints. So you could instead require that, say, you have to hit both thumbs on the screen to unlock it for an extra level of security. Is that just to remind you, is like, you cannot use this phone one-handed. It will fall on yes, the floor. Yes, exactly. Two hands. <laughs> so it kind of forces that. Yeah. I do wonder how much more secure it is, given that it, you know, I and mean, it just means someone's got to, you know, twist both your arms around to to unlock your phone against your will or whatever. But uh, <laughs> which happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm yeah. more curious about the the fact they've used this tech because pretty much everyone, bar I think Samsung, for their in-display sensors, still still goes with optical. I guess because it's cheaper and it's gotten quicker. Yes. Um. But yeah, no one ever seems to use. The, the Qualcomm stuff, the Sonic stuff, ultrasonic stuff. Well, what's funny with this is when they announced it, it, it started ringing, kind of, it immediately felt familiar to me. And I realized I have tried this sensor before on a Vivo right. phone, but it was oh. the Vivo Apex concept phone in ah. 2019. Um, this is three years ago now, but yeah, they had made a concept phone. I think the Apex is the one that it, the concept was uh, buttonless and portless. Um, oh, so a completely okay. sealed unit mm. um, but they also kind of put this enormous uh, for that it was basically half the display was was a fingerprint sensing area they haven't gone as wow. much of the display this time um, and I remember talking to Vivo at the time and being like you know are you ever going to do this in, in a real phone and they said well I don't know because basically they just said it's incredibly expensive um, to, to have that much fingerprint sensing tech under the screen Um so yeah, it's interesting to see it pop up here, and it is interesting that it is Vivo that, that's using it, and as you say, no one else has has tried this one. And yeah, this Qualcomm announced this sensor years ago, but no one's had any interest until now. Yeah, I mean, in terms of costs, just looking at the the Chinese pricing, like it it comes in under what nine hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, seven hundred and forty pounds. So I mean, I guess it's taken that long to get it down to a price where they can think they think this is. This is, this is now the time we can actually use this hardware that we've just been testing and using and, and figuring out how to implement. Because of course it's it's not it's not a system seller, right? No one's going to be like, oh, I don't mind that this phone is two hundred pounds more than any other on the market because the fingerprint scanner is so big. <laughs> oh, thumbs, guys! <laughs> no one's paying two hundred just for that, so you really can't drive the price up for it too madly. Uh, mm. Otherwise, yeah, specs are high. Snapdragon HM one again. Uh, up to 12 gig of RAM and up to 512 storage, though it does actually start from 8 gig RAM. Uh, bigger battery than the foldable, it's got a 5000 milliamp hour cell and faster wired charging, 80 watts uh, with 50 watt wireless. Um, and then the bit that's really similar to the X Fold is that the camera is 
the X-Fold camera. It's the exact same camera setup. It even looks the same. They've kept the model design identical. The exact same four rear lenses. There's a single 16 megapixel hole punch selfie camera. I'm pretty sure this is identical to either of the two ones in, in the fold. So camera-wise, this is, this is the same. Um, which again is interesting because on paper, it looks marginally behind the X70 Pro Plus. So I don't think this is trying to be quite the best, best camera they do. And perhaps this will be how they start to distinguish because we're expecting an X80 line. Uh, some people even think the X80 is going to launch in April this month. So the X80s are coming soon-ish and that's presumably going to have camera enhancements. So I guess going forwards, it'll be kind of the, the numbered Xs are the real like camera flagships. And if we get more notes, they'll focus on the display side, I, I guess will be the distinguishing line. Um, so, so do do the cameras sit flush with the back like on on the fold? Do they sit flush with the back of the display, or do they? Sort of I think it protrudes a bit, but it do doesn't you know? look like a lot to me. I hmm. wanted to get your guys' take on just the aesthetic move because this is a slightly different camera design than we've seen. Like we talked about the leatherette, the fake leather hmm. back on the on the fold. Is the is the note yeah. also a fake leather back as well, Dom? Yes, it's the same uh, same oh. fake leather with the same stitching. Same color options. Okay. They're leading with the light blue as the finish. They're really hyping up. Um, so, yeah, the, the aesthetic is similar. And again, I, I'm not personally a huge fan of, of that side of it. Camera module, uh, it, it's circular. I've never loved all the circular camera modules. Mm, same. And what I they... think the the Huawei Mate 40 series did it best. Yes, I think that's fair. But even then, I didn't love it. I think I just yeah. prefer blockier ones. Uh, what this one is is a circle inside a rectangle. Um, so they really, Vivo is covering their bases. Whichever <laughs> shape you prefer, you you are covered. But you're also going to have to put up the shape with the shape you don't like. Um, yeah, they've they've Vivo's taken to these big rectangles that go all the way across the back of the device for the camera, even though the lenses don't actually fill that space. I don't really love it. They've done it on the X70s as well. Didn't work for me there. Doesn't really work for me here. Um, and then the circle around the lenses works for me even less. So. Yeah, I don't actually love the look of either of these phones, to be honest. But I don't hate them. I'm just not head over heels. How, how about you guys? Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I feel similarly. I like the idea of like, if these these textured backs give give me the extra grip without a mm. uh, case, I can I can get behind that. But aesthetically, I don't particularly <laughs> like it. I like I'd rather they just. Yeah, but it is like we said before; so many different um, phone manufacturers just change the camera module, make it as unique yeah. to just try and stand out from the competition. So, but at least I forgot which phone it was that where they had sensors where they where they had like the, the sensors on the back, and they weren't actually cameras. So at least they haven't yeah. gone that far. I mean, OnePlus kind of <laughs> did that, like but that. I think Realme, in its more affordable end, has been guilty of it's, basically it's, hiding yeah. non-sensors. It's the cheap Realmes <laughs> yeah. and Xiaomi's that have really gone all in, all in yeah. on that. Yeah, I, I think I prefer the look of the uh, X70 series, namely the Pro, not the Pro Plus, because the Pro Plus had the, the bit that the went all the way extending. across the back. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I liked the Pros. I think that was really nice. And actually, the 60 series before that was really, really nice. Yes, this is the one reason I'm a bit down on the look of these, I think, is because I think I was, for the sort of through the X50s and the X60s, I was yeah. praising Vivo as basically, for me, having the best design of any manufacturer for the flagships. I thought they looked stunning i didn't think anyone else was doing anything as good at least to my taste um and then the x70 i felt like 
good but had begun to lose its way a bit and then i see these yeah. and i'm like ah yeah this whatever you know whoever was in head, head of design for those two years you know we were on the wavelength away. we we were we were you know we got each other <laughs> right, and yeah. now someone else has stepped in and and it's you know it's still good but it's it's not 100 percent my thing anymore and that, that's that's um, a bit sad for me just a quick user comment as well before we move on. Uh, CZP-01, catchy name there, is asking whether we think the X Note will go global as a release. Um, I think it has potential more so than the Fold, but I also know that Vivo is a very strange company when it launches it comes to launching phones. Yeah, I, I agree. That this is more likely than the Fold to break out of China. But to be honest, I think given that they've only just had the X70s, well, they were like four or five months ago, and we think they're out to the X80s, and if the X Note has a challenge, it's that other than being very big, it's broadly probably going to be kind of similar to what the, the top line X80s offer. Yeah. So I have a feeling we'll just see them launch the X80 series soon. Those will get the global release, um, hopefully Europe, because the X70 didn't make, it, didn't make it to Europe. But um, yeah, I think we'll see the X80s go global. And I suspect everything that was announced this week will just stay in China. But yeah, I hope I'm wrong, but that's my feeling. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so let's talk about the tablet quickly before we move on the vivo pad uh toddy you know this one a lot better than me but yeah as i said this is unlike these two phones they haven't gone absolutely high end with the tablet no no it's a, it's still a nice like milled aluminium body it's like 6.55 mils thin so it's really thin it's thin yeah um yeah and it looks like it's a nice bit of kit um it's got quad speakers it's got an 11 inch display uh 120 hertz it is uh 16 it is a, a ips lcd it's not oled um that's where i first started looking at the xiaomi pads for comparison because they also have so they are also display. lcd yeah yeah the standard one is i don't know if the pro is i think the pro might be oled but the standard oh, one yeah, is maybe. and it's the same resolution same size um it's powered by a snapdragon 870 like, like the, xiaomi the pad, pad 5 pro <laughs> oh, is the Pad um, Five something different? I must be getting my eight sixty. I think it is. Ah, oh, that sounds right. And then right. an eight seventy. I think right. that's how yeah. it's split. Um, same. It's got a thirteen meg lead camera on the back, like I think both of them, mm. and then that's backed up by an eight meg ultra wide, and then there's an eight meg front facer with a depth sensor on the front, which oh, interesting. is interesting. Mm. I suspect, although they didn't seem to show anything off when they they announced this, I reckon it might have a sort of either a center stage style like pan and zoom mm. feature. Or maybe a Microsoft Teams like fake background blur effect. Yeah, mode. that would That's make sense. That's why I would assume that is there. Otherwise, I've never seen a front-facing 3D TOF sensor used in any other way, or just ever <laughs> on a product. So yeah, I mean, I've seen them on phones for selfie cameras, but not yeah, on a right, okay. tablet. And, but on a yeah, phone, it makes yeah. more sense because you do portrait selfies, and that's a pretty common sure. use case. And so a depth sensor kicks in there. I don't know how many people will use their tablet to take selfies, but. I think exactly. you're right. So I'm hoping blurring it's not on a that. video call, maybe is that yeah, yeah. see it kicking yeah. like that. Uh, as I said before, I think people taking photos with their tablets it makes me sad. So yes. I hope it's for some <laughs> other function like a video call or something like that. Um, yeah, beyond that, it's very much kind of uh, eight thousand and forty million power battery, forty four watt fast charging, which is pretty good. Yeah, especially for um, a tablet. Actually, again, we don't see that much fast charging in the tablet space still. So no, yeah. no, the, the Xiaomi pads were the last two. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I think yeah. the Pro has sixty seven and the standard had thirty three or something. something so like that, again, yeah. this is kind of splitting the difference there. Um, and it's it as I mentioned earlier, it does have this Origin OS HD, which is just a modified version of their existing yeah. Origin OS experience atop Android twelve. Yep. Um, all it really is is just here's some split screen multitasking tools that you wouldn't get otherwise. Right. Makes a yeah. lot of sense. 
Um, they also yeah. did shout out the accessory range. You can get a smart cover, which kind of just basically just doubles as a stand. But they've got a smart uh, keyboard cover with a trackpad, which has gesture controls and keyboard shortcuts and all that good stuff, yep. which you'd expect. And a stylus as well. They're both sold separately. There's no mention of a bundle. Um, so at least in China, yep. this is the only market this, this tablet has been shown in. Um, but yeah, they have all the kind of staples to make this a decent value productivity Android device. Um, and oh, the nice thing it has is NFC, where if you tap your Vivo phone onto the tablet, mm-hmm. you get a picture in picture of your phone's display, similarly to what the Huawei MateBook series can do yep. with their phones. That's cool. So you can kind of, yeah, use your phone on your tablet, take the calls, kind of route it all through the tablet. So ecosystems kind of baby ecos- yeah exactly ecosystems <laughs> baby exactly so yeah it's nothing too groundbreaking but for vivo's first effort that i can think of or could find um, mm. when researching it's a solid out the gate offering i think they're right to go mid-range not premium yeah with it um because it, it still hits all the kind of things you want a tablet to do um the only thing i wish it had was an oled display but beyond that i think yeah. it's a really strong first I first think, effort i think i'd agree yeah. on that i'd say yeah it, it's I have the Xiaomi Pad 5, the regular model, and I've been a really big fan of it. It's kind of become my, my default tablet. I, I don't use it a nice. huge amount, but when I use a tablet, that's the one I, I grab for now. But the only thing that annoys me is no AMOLED display, which A, for when watching stuff, it's a you know minor letdown. Yeah. But B, there's no in-display fingerprint sensor. And Yeah, I think this is side-mounted uh, as well on this one. Yeah, Xiaomi, I don't think, included one at all on the, the Pad oh, 5, which is a bit annoying. So you, have, you have to do the pen all the time. Um but yeah, I, I I think that's the one the one minor downside of that. But no, it, it looks speeding. I think the fact that they've gone more mid range means I look at this and think maybe this will at least get an Asian launch. You know, break outside of China, go to India, Malaysia, markets like that. Mm-hmm. Be very surprised to see it in Europe. But um, yeah, I could see this yeah. launching across other bits of of Southern Asia because it's going to be affordable enough that they can make it work like that. Yeah, for sure. Is that you? I don't know if you mentioned. Did you mention what speakers are? Uh, it's got a quad stereo setup, so that's pretty good for the price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really Having quad I think, in there, yeah. I think the Pad Five did the same, but then the Pad Five Pro had this like eight speakers, like two sets of two or something weird. Oh right, yeah. Um, but yeah, either way, like it's that that is taking the fight to I think the Tab S Eight series and the iPad Pro range. Yeah. I think the standard, even the new Air, don't I don't think has the stereo speakers enough. I might be wrong. Right. There, but I'm not sure. If Lewis was here, he could confirm. I know. <laughs> he's in a caravan somewhere. Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right that this looks like someone saw what Xiaomi did and built their tablet to spec to to match it really yeah. and to offer something yeah. broadly competitive at around the same price and 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 not leave Xiaomi you know winning that space in the market i mean back when the pad 5 came out i did a, a video with lewis uh which you can find on the youtube channel obviously uh where we compared the Xiaomi pad 5 with um the base ipad i think the regular ipad because they're about the same price so about kind of 400 ish um in in the us and uk and i mean the the Xiaomi beat the ipad on almost every spec there are a couple of key areas the ipad kind of won but broadly from a hardware perspective the xiaomi offered a lot more for the money and and this looks to be right in line with that and delivering a really nice balance of the specs and features for the price um yeah so it I, seems to be less of a thing in the chinese market but the main question i would have if it did launch over here that the ipad sets the bar on is os software 
Absolutely. Updates. And, you know, no idea on, on update promises and also the quality of, of the implementation. I've, we've never even used Origin OS because it's China only, so I can't begin to speculate as to how well they'll handle a tablet optimization for it. But um, their Western software, well, or their global software, FunTouch OS, is up and down. I mean, it's getting better, but I don't love it. And I wouldn't necessarily jump to use that on a tablet. Um, just change the name, Vivo, please. I know. So I Origin OS is at least a better name. I've always thought, why not just yeah. rebrand FunTouch Origin? <laughs> Even if you don't change the software, just take the name over. Yeah. It's a lot better. Uh, but, mm. Yeah. Are we are we far away from? It must be sometime this year for Android twelve L, isn't it? it? It's it officially out. Uh, it's just not actually <laughs> it? on okay. any tablets. So Good luck trying to find it. Right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it is finished, but no one's using it. So, um, yeah, it is funny timing that this has launched since then and still does not have the twelve L optimizations, which maybe tells you something about how well Google has uh, managed to share that around its manufacturer partners. But yeah, we we had to see anything launch with 12L or offer updates to 12L. Um, but that would probably help them at least, because in theory that handles a lot of those optimizations that are, are included in the, this Origin OS HD. Um, cool. So yeah, that's that's the Vivo range. I I wouldn't hold your breath for any of this stuff to launch in Europe at least. I think if you're in India or Malaysia, your odds are a bit better. But still, I. I would put it at more than 50%. None of this stuff ever leaves China, but um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Let's turn to the OnePlus launches uh, and rattle through what they've promised, because it's a funny little situation with OnePlus right now. So, OnePlus has announced two launch events. On the 21st of April, so next week, uh, it is going to launch the OnePlus Ace in China. That is a new brand for OnePlus. We've never had a OnePlus Ace before. Uh, it's a phone. So OnePlus Ace phone, China, 21st April. 28th April, exactly a week later, in India, it's going to launch the OnePlus 10R uh, together with the OnePlus Nord CE2 Lite and some OnePlus Nord Buds. So cheap, true wireless headphones. Um, setting aside the CE2 Lite for the moment, the 10R and the Ace are the same phone. Yes. Um, <laughs> the R phones have been these like slightly cheaper versions of the numbered lines that in the past have launched in both China and India, but nowhere else. This year, they're still launching in China and India and presumably nowhere else. But for some reason in China, it's not called the 10R. It's being called the Ace. I couldn't tell you why except for the fact that there's previously been an Oppo Ace line. I was going to say, yeah. And maybe that sold very well, and they like that sub-brand and thought it might work for OnePlus. That's really all I can guess. But that seems to be the case, because if you look, they have released official images of both the 10R and the Ace, and they are identical, except for the colours. The Ace comes in black or white. The 10R comes in black or dark green. But the actual design is exactly the same. Um, and also, interestingly, and we'll get to why, not especially OnePlus. It's got squared off edges, which I don't think we've had on a OnePlus phone in ever, maybe? Certainly ever. not a long time. No, they've always been a bit rounded. I mean, I guess the first one was a little boxy, but not yeah. that boxy. This is very much iPhone-esque square sides. Um, it's got this interesting two-panel rear design where one side is, is just shiny, but the left-hand side below the camera module is kind of ridged. Um, it's hard to tell if that's actually going to be a texture 
on the phone, like textured ridges, or if it's just aesthetic. Um, but I, I, I quite like the look. It doesn't scream OnePlus to me, the design language, but I like the look of it. Um, yeah, I vibe the design. I think it's nice. It, it kind of reminds me of the... It doesn't have the same kind of full-width camera module, but the Poco X4 Pro 5G that I think was launched at NWC that we reviewed, yes. it has the same boxy finish. Yeah. It's plastic, but yeah. it, it looks pretty nice and i think we commended it in our review for its boxy design yeah i think there are some similarities there um so yeah but there are multiple similarities with the realme gt neo 3 because if you look at the camera module of these phones the tenor and the ace you will see that is the same camera module as the gt neo 3 um and part of the confusion we had in leaks around these phones was because everyone was saying ah this is oneplus phone coming out it's the tenor it's it's a Realme GT Neo 3. And then other leaks said, now there's a OnePlus phone called the OnePlus Ace coming out, and that's based on the Realme GT Neo 3. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out everyone was right. Um, yeah, this is the GT Neo 3. Um, the most telling thing to give that away, if you have any doubt, is that they have confirmed of the 10R, though curiously not of the Ace, but they have, OnePlus India has confirmed that the 10R is going to come in two variants, one with 80-watt charging and one with 150-watt charging. That's weird. Only one phone has ever done that before. <laughs> and it came out two weeks ago. One will have a bigger battery, uh, I'm guessing, yeah. at 5,000. That would be... Other one. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but if, if you can find a bookie willing to take those odds, I would throw your <laughs> savings at it. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is, this is the GT Neo 3 coming out two more times with two different names. The, I guess the question for us, as we are doing this podcast from the UK, is whether we get any of these in the UK. I think we got the we didn't get the original GT Neo from Realme, but we got the GT Neo Two. Yes. No word yet from them on the Neo Three, and you know these are two different variants, neither of which are making it to market here. So, well, it's especially interesting as a question because the hype about the 150 watt charging started at MWC in Barcelona. Um, and both Realme and OnePlus promised they had these phones coming with 150 watt charging. I actually can't remember. We should check if um, either of their statements at the time promised global launches or just promised they're coming. But you'd think if you were going to announce in Europe, it would be because you had ambitions to to bring it to Europe. Um, that said, I can't see both of these launching in Europe. You know, I, I can't see. Um, both the Realme and the OnePlus making it. So I feel like maybe one of them will, but there's, you know, that someone at BBK has to choose which brand gets to gets the European launch. I think they just have a hat with some names and countries. I know. <laughs> well, what, and of course, what's funny is the GT Neo 3 has launched in China, where the OnePlus Ace is about to launch. So China is getting both of these, um, and they are absolutely identical except for the design. So you really do just get to pick which one you prefer the look of. Do you like the Le Mans-inspired racing stripes of the Realme, or do you like the kind of shimmery ridges of the OnePlus? And you just pick the look you prefer, and I guess the, the UI you prefer on the software, and that is really all the difference you're going to find. Uh, but I guess we might as well run through what that means you're getting spec-wise. Um, the big one is the chip will be the Dimensity 8100. Um, it's kind of upper mid-range. You'll get a 6.7-inch, 120Hz AMOLED display, uh, somewhere between 6 and 12 gig of RAM. It's hard to know which, which SKUs OnePlus will end up offering. Um, and then rear camera is a 50 megapixel main 
with the IMAX 766 sensor, which should be pretty good, and then just an ultra-wide and a macro and a 16-meg selfie camera. So decent main camera, but not much to write home about on the other lenses. Um, and really, it's going to be all about the fast charging, um, which is obviously the exciting bit. They, Especially the 150-watt model is the one that promised 50% charge in five minutes, I believe, yeah. which is nuts, to be fair to them. Yeah, the the based on Realme's chat, the impressive thing I think was that they were promising like pretty good battery health over time as well, despite yes. absolutely speedy charging. I think there's it like it's it surpasses Apple's cycle like longevity mm. or cycle durability over time. Um, so yeah, I think it's like after was it two hundred two thousand cycles, you should still have eighty percent of your battery capacity or something, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, also, I just was checking back at an old piece I wrote after NWC or at NWC. Madaf Sheth, who's Realme's international head, um, he said that the the Realme, the GT Neo Three, should arrive in H two. So whilst it's already out in China, H two that might be the one that comes to more markets globally. July almost with this one fifty watt charging. Yeah, <laughs> that would make sense. For you. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. So then, the other OnePlus phone that's coming, also on the twenty eighth April to India, and again, I think this one will stay India only. Only is the OnePlus Nord CE two Lite. Um, this is slightly fascinating because we've had the Nord is the cheap version of OnePlus. Nord CE <laughs> is the cheap version of of the Nord phones. <laughs> so a Nord CE Lite is the cheap version of the cheap version of the cheap version of a OnePlus device. <laughs> <laughs> and this doesn't even take into account when we had the N10 and then the N100, yeah. which was the cheaper version there as well. So that's dead, I guess, that naming system. Well, no, no because they're the one. US ones. Well, the N200 was in the US, but the yeah. N100 was in other parts of Europe. It was very confusing. There's certainly there's rumors this... of an oh, N20 on the way this oh, year, God. at least. So oh, I don't God, think they're do done it. with those yet, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> Um, yeah, what they've also kind of confirmed a couple of other bits about the CE2 Lite. They haven't actually revealed the design for this one. Uh, but what they have announced is that it will have a 5,000 milliamp hour battery and 33 watt charging. Uh, this will be a much cheaper phone, obviously, you know, from that alone, you can probably uh, gather that much, um, not to mention the, the name. But yeah, this will be a more budget device. Leaks have filled in a lot more. We're still expecting 120 hertz panel, but it'll be LCD rather than AMOLED, probably. Um, Starting from six gig of RAM, the rear camera will just be a sixty-four megapixel main with a macro and, and mono sensors. Um, and also, this one is expected to ship with Android eleven rather than twelve. Is, is mm. one of the rumors we've heard, which is you know maybe a little underwhelming. Um, so anyway, this looks like a even more budget device. We do in Europe, we get the Nord CEs, and we have the Nord CE too. Um, but there's never been a light before so there's no track record for whether we should expect the light or not but i have a feeling with the indian launch we probably aren't getting it i think the i think in your review of the ce2 yeah yeah that's right (laughs) (laughs) um we were you were trying to figure out whether it is a budget nord 2 or a sequel to the nord ce CE, which which is a more so i guess this would suggest it's the 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 budget nord 2 and then the ce2 light is the Oh, I don't know. Uh, it's one? going to break your brain. I don't think it works. Oh. There's, there's no answer to <laughs> there's these no questions. Point trying yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> what it is is that there's a space in the market, and they've got some parts around that they can uh, 
churn out. Yeah, who knows? Uh, what we will find out, I, uh, we're going to find out more about both of these phones over the next few days. So if you are keen on either, and certainly if you want to verify uh, the spec list of the 10R <laughs> against the Realme, um, if you go to the OnePlus India website, they're basically, in true OnePlus fashion, they're going to drip tease specs. But at least this time, they've confirmed which specs on what days. So for the 10R, they will reveal the chipset on April 15th. Uh, they reveal something, change the game, uh, and it's a picture of someone holding it landscape. I don't know if they mean the display. Something is going to be revealed to do with gaming on April 17th. Uh, it will be the uh, GPU feature that the GT Neo 3 has. Uh, oh, the, the separate secondary... Chip. Yeah, yeah, the secondary display driver to help. That'll with be the it. That, that extra display framework. driver. So that's that's probably yeah. getting revealed on the seventeenth, and also on the seventeenth, the display specs, including the refresh rate, because they've got a little image of a display with Hertz written on it, um, and the CE2 Lite. They're going to reveal the design on the sixteenth, the camera on the nineteenth, and the screen specs on the twenty-third, before they both get revealed in full on the twenty-eighth. So, so we, we will be playing in the meantime Realme GT Neo 3 bingo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite bit about this is that they've revealed specs about the 10R that they haven't revealed about the Ace. Oh, Even though we well. can all tell they're the same phone. <laughs> and it's just it fascinating. Is, is, is it going to be like a carrier exclusive situation in China if they're both launching in China as well? Like that just seems so strange to me. Yeah, what you mean between the Realme and, and the OnePlus Ace, you mean? uh yes yes yeah yeah i don't know i mean i know nothing about the actual way the chinese market works i assume that they just feel like they're big enough brands that each can support that and it doesn't matter that they're the same phone because okay. each brand does well and can can sell it's it its own fans maybe. you know yeah mm. but um cool. who knows all right um let's move on quickly we're already running a bit later than we thought we would but uh to the nubia red magic 7 pro uh the Pro model of the Red Magic 7 line. The Red Magic 7 launched globally uh, a few weeks or months ago, but Nubia took its time bringing the Pro to the global market, even though it initially revealed them both together for, for China. Uh, yeah. But the Pro is here now. I think it officially goes on sale at the end of April, um, but Aniron's already got his hands on it. So, um, first off, I guess, Aniron, yeah, you know, what are your first thoughts? I think you've had the phone, what, three or four days, something like that? Yeah, I've been testing it for a few days now. Um, because this is this is the first time we've seen both the regular and the pro model be released um, outside of China. Oh, really? So on the red on the on the six, it was just the regular model, and then on the six S, the pro model just came uh, was released globally. Um, so this is the first time we've almost like outside of China we've been able to like directly compare the two. Which I think uh, um, my take on that at least is an interesting sign that I guess these are selling well because well enough for them to yeah. now want to do both models globally, and I I maybe wouldn't guess that they were because they don't have the brand appeal of some of the other gaming gaming lines and gaming phones are a niche in themselves but clearly they are actually doing well enough for them to expand what they're doing rather than contract it yeah i have seen someone mm. using a surface duo out in the wild i have not seen someone using a nubia red magic gaming phone <laughs> yeah yet. so just me <laughs> yeah yeah oh it's just an iron in the office but aside from that yeah yeah um so yeah i mean both phones have got Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, they've also got this separate kind of gamer-focused chip, which they call the Red Core 1, which focuses mm. on a few specific gaming features, like, to, I think, to maintain those high frame rates, to allocate a bit more GPU power, things like that. Um, interestingly, as we'll go on, the Pro is not, it's not an upgrade in all areas. So one, one of them is that 
it tops out, uh, the Pro tops out at 16 gigabytes of RAM, and then on the regular model you can configure it up to 18 for some reason. But I mean, that's not going to be a huge difference. But <laughs> I don't really understand. Very the logic strange because there. There, uh, when we'll get into it, there are a few of these. But that's of the differences between them. That's the one I really understand the least because I can see no good reason <laughs> not Diminishing to allow returns, more right? RAM Surely. on the Pro. <laughs> yeah. Very very weird. <laughs> Did yeah. they put I mean, together any like quantifiable reason for like a having the option of sixteen to eighteen gigabytes of RAM in your phone, and b why the pro? No, I, I think no. the reason is yeah, Asus really. did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's part of it. yeah you know, tick. Okay. there's a rock yeah. phone with eighteen gigs, so a prop. You know, th this year Asus will do twenty, and then next year the Red Magic will do twenty, and we'll just keep ticking up, I guess. I guess yeah, and part of it is that now, now the Seven Pro has got this global launch. It is going head to head, particularly in terms of pricing, with the ROG yep. Phone Five, Phone Five Pro, because it it starts at uh, six hundred and seventy nine pounds or seven hundred ninety nine dollars. But that top spec model, which is the one I've been testing, is seven five nine pounds or eight nine nine dollars. So it's really entering that kind of mm. at least flagship yeah, for yeah. gaming phones that kind of that kind of price range. Um, both phones have the same the same triple rear cameras. So there's the uh, 64 megapixel main, 8 megapixel ultra wide, and 2 megapixel macro. Interestingly, I don't know if you can see it here, but like on on the Pro model, it's like in this square yeah. arrangement. On the regular, they've gone for oh. kind of less, this like vertical. But from my, t I mean, I've just taken a few sample photos of the, the last few days. I don't think there's any difference, software or hardware, on the rear camera. Amazing. They're they're fine in if the good the good lighting conditions they they struggle a bit in low light the night mode's not amazing but there's no difference aside from the actual design. I find it back, especially odd because you can't help but imagine that just increases their manufacturing costs to have sure, two different layouts. Separate, <laughs> How like, much money yeah, could they have saved yeah. by just having the one camera module that they build for both devices? And it's, yeah, do yeah. either of them resemble the six S Pro and Iron? Not, I mean, not not in terms of design because uh. these are these, this kind of design where you can like exposing the internals yeah. on the back is quite quite. So it's different. not even they're using an old, old like yeah. layout with newer chips or something. I th yeah, I think what it is is that on the on the the Seven Pro they've got this kind of extra uh, metal plate down the center, mm -hmm. which is apparently to help with heat dissipation. Uh. So they've, they've built the camera sensor on top of that, right? Which um, I think that's why they've had to do that. Um, and interestingly, that supposedly the regular Red Magic is it's what Nubia calls this ice. It's like ice eight point zero cooling system, where it's ice nine point zero. Oh wow! <laughs> Even cooler. So it's like <laughs> one whole extra ice. Well, I, mean, I mean, I'm convinced. <laughs> but that is the only difference I can tell. I mean, they've also already had for a few generations this built-in fan, which is very effective at keeping it really cool. But then it does quite noisy particularly really. I, I do have to actually ask something yeah. here because i was scrolling through the article i have to ask if this is a typo or actually what they're called but they it's got the built-in fan but you can also buy um apparently from from what you say and you're online you can buy a magnetic cooler for it or a turbo yeah. turbo cooler is that a typo i think okay. that was a typo i, I really, typo. I really I would love for it to be the turbo I turbo cooler <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna call it that anyway yeah uh, it is essentially because, it's like, on top of like the phone itself is enough cools itself effectively enough already. We don't need other accessories because yeah. that's like on the on the Black Shark phones. They're always very heavy on adding the accessories on top of it. Right. 
and the whole appeal of the red magic to me anyway it's built in yeah it's all contained within mm. this package yeah you don't need to add bits on but i mean um i suppose it was the other slight disappointment there's there's, there's some difference in battery size like it's, it's 4500 on the regular and 5000 on the, on the pro. okay um but those but in the chinese models have super fast charging speed so it's 135 watts on the pro and 120 on the regular but we don't get that on the global version it's down to 65 watts and there's there's still no wireless charging so and that was true with the last one as well wasn't yeah. it with the 6s pro i think in china that got faster charging as well but only in china i don't know why that is the split maybe yeah. there's like extra regulations or things they have to pay so they just choose to choose not to not implement yeah that. i wonder if yeah. i assume you haven't been able to try it with a faster charger just to see if it because you know, there's always the question between the mm. charging the phone supports versus the rating of the charger they supply with the phone. You know, um, and I wonder whether technically the phone still supports that higher speed. They just don't give you the charger for it. And if you could get hold of a compatible mm. charger, you would get those speeds anyway. Um, I, I, probably difficult to test without yeah, shipping a charger all the way from China just for that specific phone. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So so. Maybe this would be a useful point to sort of try and break down as, as succinctly as possible the differences between the regular yeah. and the pro. So we've got the cooling, whether you want ICE 9.0 cooling or ICE 8.0. <laughs> so it's slightly better cooling, yep. slightly bigger battery for the pro. Um, mm-hmm. Technically, a slightly smaller max RAM option, but no one should be going for the 18 gig option anyway, so that doesn't really matter. No. Uh, the refresh rate is different as well. Is that right? The refresh, yeah. So the interesting thing is on the Pro model, it's 120 hertz versus 165. On the 165 has been like this class mm. leading thing they've really led with in the marketing in terms. Of this is the highest refresh rate on any phone. Then on the Pro, they've dropped it down, but then bumped up the touch sampling rate from 720 hertz to 960. Right. And I suppose their argument is very few games still support 165 right. hertz. Whereas if you can up the touch sampling, it actually has yeah. an impact on, on gameplay or whatever. Yeah, it has more of a noticeable yeah. impact when you're actually gaming. I mean, this is assuming that there are games that support... I don't know if there's the games need to be programmed to support that improved touch response rate as well. Otherwise, it's it's moot, right? Like, Yeah. I, I, I think guess the so. way that works, I mean, you wouldn't need to bake in the support for the touch okay. sampling. From In my definitely not an expert on the way touch sampling rates work and the way game you know mobile games are coded but you know from my sense of it i think that would just be like it would just be that the game receives the input a little bit faster and that's all the difference from the game's side though i'm absolutely ready for somebody who knows more than me to tell me i'm completely (laughs) wrong about that so it's not the thing that people buy gaming phones for but how have you found the cameras because i know that they've they were bad and they've gotten better over the years yeah, they've steadily improved. Like I've reviewed quite a few generations, and they were very underwhelming the first couple of phones. But they're they're steadily improving. They're not going to rival flagships anytime soon. And in good lighting, the, the the main thing the main thing I notice is when you switch to that ultra wide camera, there's a huge, really noticeable drop off in quality to the extent mm. that I'm kind of reluctant to use it, even when the scene when it makes sense for in the scene. Um, but out of that main sensor, you can still get a really, a really nice, nice shot. That that kind of leads us into the, the the main difference between the regular and the pro, which is the selfie cameras. Because on the pro, it's under the display. Oh. Um, 
yeah, I was. I was, I was <laughs> hoping that says was it all. Be, like, yeah, I was hoping that when the, when we when we got a pro model and they were really going to go for it in terms of changes, which they have, yeah. that they weren't going to focus on an area like this. I mean, it does have a benefit that like, the phone is notes to be more compact. There's barely any yep. bezels, um, so it's, it's a more enjoyable phone to use. And considering it's got that six point eight inch display on both, it's easy. It's nice, but they've increased it from eight megapixels to 16 megapixels but still the quality of the selfies aren't really usable in many cases and now you're contending well, with the pixels as well yeah exactly once you get into that kind of price point um what, what they've done i've noticed that um straight after you take a photo and you go to like you go to view it you have to wait a good five seconds while it's mm. processing and it kind of adds a lot of extra brightness and tries to sharpen it um but what you're looking at the viewfinder is just it's very blurry and still the shots are not of a similar quality which is i can imagine i think it's worth saying for people who may not be aware um red magic is a brand that's part of nubia nubia is part of zte um and yes. zte is the are the guys that did the first under display selfie camera the axon 20 ultra or pro one of one of the axon 20s i want to say sure. uh, and then updated it last year with the axon 30 5g or was the fight yeah again one of the 30s had it but the another one didn't i yeah i think lewis did the review we have the review so if you want to know more about that camera, yeah. i imagine it's the same tech that's being used yeah here. so that, that was basically what i was getting at yeah so don't feel like this is crazy red magic trying to develop like new tech that even samsung can't perfect this is probably the same stuff that ZTU's had and actually they've been working on it i don't i don't want to say they've been working on it longer than anyone else but they've had it in the public eye longer than anyone else they're already on their their second gen of, of this so um perversely even with all the f yeah, clearly an iron does not love it this is probably one of the best under display cameras you can get but that tells you about where the tech is yeah, right now but, but yeah yeah unfortunately um so i can understand why they've done it uh the, the other thing is obviously new um on the red magic phones the software is really good if you want to be gaming all the time so it's still got that always all the time gaming mode. <laughs> never stop time, gaming like iron. gaming is yeah. abg <laughs> always be gaming <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the red the red magic os actually for general use is not my favorite yeah. i mean it is getting better over time but there's still too many few too many software inconsistencies and it's kind of very bright and bold and in your face which i suppose it thinks gamers yeah. are going to enjoy but i personally i wish don't. more gaming phones would do what asus did i haven't looked at many uh rog phones but i know on the second gen i have no idea if they still do it but they had the option to switch between the Zen UI, which is the UI they use on their Zen oh, phones. Yes, that was great. Or go into the ROG UI, and basically you could decide which one you wanted to use, and you could switch between them on the fly. So when you wanted to game, you could go into that version of the OS built and optimized around gaming. But equally, you could just be on the regular interface the rest of the time and certainly it would mean that say I, I don't know if they did any scheduling but this would be the next step of it obviously would be the option to have it you know during work hours just kind of look like a regular phone but you know in the evening it goes into the gaming interface and it's kind of there for you to do that i don't know but either way yeah you know it's a shame because nubia make non-gaming phones as well they absolutely have a version of their os like tuned for regular use and it would be great to see that option to dive between them i think it was something that 
I loved that Asus did that, and I think it's a little underappreciated, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's still more than usable. I mean, after I finished reviewing the the, red, the regular model, I kept my sim in it until switching to this one. So it's not... You get used to its quirks, but it's just the point at which if you're choosing which phone am I yeah. going to buy, and I want, I want a phone that can game, but is not all about gaming, then I imagine most people will be something a bit different yes but then i think you're only looking at this phone if you are all about gaming you know or at least in terms of the phone you want to buy you want to buy one because because as we always say with this stuff you know you could get a phone a regular looking phone with the same performance um not the same cooling to be fair but other than the cooling like there's nothing generally that the gaming phones do that other ones don't you can get loads of ram and a snapdragon 8 gen 1 in a, in a flagship from someone else and it will play games very, very competently. You buy one of these phones if you're really committed and want to take the next step. A, for the absolute best performance, and B, just as that kind of cultural signifier, you know? You want to have a gaming phone because you're a gamer and that's what you want to send out into the world. Um, so, I, Yeah, I have to say, when, whenever I'm using this phone, people often ask, well, what phone what is that? They've never, that? they've never seen it before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because it does stand out. Um, so if you want a conversation starter, <laughs> yeah. this is a good phone for you. Yeah, exactly. I still think exactly uh, Razer nail walked the line with the I gaming really, phone aesthetic. Yeah, I'm sad that Razer gave up after two. Yeah, I it was the hardware and the user experience both were gamery but not gamery. Yeah. Like they were, you could you could live with it, and it felt wholly okay to live with it, and it not be a what the hell is that? Yeah, they they struck a really <laughs> nice balance. <laughs> I think it's a shame they didn't stick with it, or equally didn't yeah. I don't know license the brand to someone else, do a partnership with someone else to have someone else make them and, and stick with that kind of line because they they nailed it. Uh, right, I think that will do us for this week. We'd better we'd better get off. Um, just a quick note for anyone who has been listening to the audio version of this week's episode. I want to apologise now in advance for how late you are getting this episode. Uh, we're in the UK and it is about to be a long weekend, so I can guarantee the audio is not getting edited tomorrow. Uh, so we're we're not editing to this till we're back on Tuesday or Wednesday next week. So uh, I'm sorry that this episode has come basically a full week late for all of you audio listeners. Uh, I guess that's why you should be watching live on YouTube. Uh, then you wouldn't Precisely. have this problem, would you? And subscribe whilst you're at it. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and actually, I think this is the, <laughs> the first episode I'm on since we broke the 100,000 subscriber line on YouTube. Hey. So to anyone watching oh, yes. listening who is a YouTube subscriber, thank you. Uh, that has been a very exciting milestone for us. Uh, long in the works. And hopefully at and some point soon, we will have a shiny silver YouTube plaque to brandish about as we record. We'll, we'll share it between sessions so each week someone's wall yes <laughs> move it, it around <laughs> uh we'll be back uh next week to i guess we'll talk about the oneplus ace once we know all the untold mysteries of the strange oneplus ace <laughs> you know what could be inside this unusual phone uh and and we'll see what else comes up between now and then uh, thank you to everyone for watching listening thank you to anaren and toddy for joining me bye for now bye see ya